Hello again, and welcome to Rethinking Rehab with Dr. Shane Smith. I'm a licensed physical therapist practicing out of Naples, Florida. I am the owner of Naples Premier Physical Therapy and have been a physical therapist in the outpatient setting for about 10 years now. And I started this business about five years ago, hoping to deliver quality care to people that need it. So today's podcast is going to be a little bit uh, about the furthest part away from our brain, which is our feet, and how our feet function. So there was a recent uh, patient sent to us with an ankle injury that plays football, and I was talking to the referring doctor regarding his injury and when he should start therapy, and I was kind of surprised by the comment the podiatrist gave me of how many weeks past injury should he safely come in for therapy, and my first question was, can he walk without pain? She said, yeah, he just can't run and cut football related without pain. And I thought, my goodness, he should be in here right now. We should be seeing him immediately to get healing promoted, to get movement promoted, to get balance brain to foot connections back going. And I kind of realized if a podiatrist is asking me some of these questions regarding the foot, what other questions out there on the foot are there that patients may have? So Today's podcast is how our feet function. And, you know, the foot is an absolutely fascinating part of our body. And I think it's an underappreciated part of the body. You know, if I were to say how neat the hand is, everybody listening would understand what a hand can do, how much dexterity, movement, control the hand has. It's quite remarkable. You could argue that is the biggest separating factor functionally from us and other animals, minus the size of our brains. Um, but the foot is equally interesting and in many lights. It's, it's a joint that moves in all planes of motion. It handles the entirety of our weight. It helps control our movement. It helps our, let our brain know where we're at in space. It lets us know what surfaces we're on, how, in fact, we should move over a surface, how we change our entire body's movement pattern, all based on what the feet tell us. Now, when you start getting into categories of orthotics and other uh, rigid supports to the feet or very supportive shoe wear, you start wondering how much negative effects does that have on our feet? And the answer is tremendous. So just to get some backgrounds of our feet, what is it? What makes it up? So in our, in our foot, so times this by two for both of your feet, uh, a foot has 28 bones, 33 joints, 112 ligaments, 13 muscles that move things in our feet that aren't located in our feet. We call those extrinsic muscles and 21 intrinsic foot muscles. Now, what I find interesting is the fact that we have almost a third more muscles inside our feet than we have outside of our feet. And the reason I bring that up is very few people have strong or good controlled intrinsic foot muscles. This is kind of a lost aspect of our feet. Most patients, when I talk to about intrinsic foot muscles, look at me like I'm crazy because they don't know what the heck the word means. And I have to tell them it's muscles inside our feet that attach from bone to bone inside the feet. And with this muscle group, it's one of the most important when it comes to control stabilization of our arch and other parts of our foot. So when we start looking at our feet, we have three different foot types. We've got a planus foot type, which is a low arch. This is kind of referred to as your overpronator. Um, they have the front of their foot is rotated opposite of the back of their foot. So the back foot, the heel region has a valgus, which is a 
outward turning bone, and the forefoot, which is kind of the balls of the foot or the metatarsals, that has a varus, which is an inversion turning bone. So think about this. You've got an arch that's kind of flat because there is a two to four degree rotation in and out on the front and the back of the foot. Now, if you think about a boat twisted and things flat in the middle, it's not going to be very good at what it does because it's already stuck in one position and can't move out of it. The foot and the arch are so important for movement and shock and stabilization that we need movement in it. If you don't have movement there, how can you feel or detect anything different on the ground underneath you? If you think about balance for another example, if I can't feel what's underneath my foot, how in the hell am I supposed to balance on whatever that is? You don't even know what you're on, let alone how to balance on it. So when we look at some older individuals that have neuropathy or other sensation nerve problems, add in the mix weakness and or rigidity of the foot, and you can see it's just an absolute recipe for disaster. If you have a rectus foot, we are kind of ideal at this point. We've got well alignment between the front and the back of the foot, and the arch is about a normal height. Um, if we have a cavus foot, which is a high arch foot, this is an opposite. So you're going to have, instead of a valgus at the forefoot, you're going to have a varus shift, and you're going to have a valgus at the forefoot instead of a varus. So it's the exact same thing as a pronation, a plantus position of the foot, where we've got these counter rotations with flatness in the middle rotate it the opposite way and add excessive arching to the foot to the to the arch but yet there's still no mobility there so it's still unable to sense and feel because everything's twisted and locked in position obviously the goal is to get more towards a rectus foot or a well-aligned forefoot and rear foot if we're looking at our arch height flexibility there is an entire equation doing some background research for this podcast that I will candidly admit I did not know existed, but you can take a measurement based on positions using millimeters for your arch height standing versus arch height sitting. And you can determine how much flexibility you really do have in your arch. Now you want to have flexibility, just like if you got in a car. If you got in a truck that was off-roading, and I told you the suspension system is so tight, stiff, you're going to feel every damn rock bump you go over. You're not going to want to get in that car. If I tell you I've got the most plush suspension system on this truck, you won't feel anything. Which one do you think is more enticing for just a ride standpoint in a car? You're going to want something that's got a great suspension system that can handle these changes in surface underneath it without much change to everything else above it. Well, that's the same concept with our feet. We want our feet to be able to move and feel the ground and know what surfaces it's on to modify how other things move up our kinetic chain so that we have a nice stable ride for the rest of our body. If you think about your spine and your back, if you have a walking position that takes a lot of force up through your knee joints, your hip joints into your low back, and you complain about a lot of pain whenever you walk for a period of time in any of those higher joints up your kinetic chain, there's a good chance that because your suspension system is not working in the feet, that's what's causing your problems up the chain, whether it be knee breakdown, whether it be hip breakdown, or whether it be something in the back bothering you. I will admit, very seldomly do I hear from foot-related doctors. Some I do, some I don't, but more often than not I hear this. You've got issues with your arch, therefore we need to externally support it. And you know, hey, I get that. If I gave you an analogy about back pain, 
Wearing a back brace reduces back pain with lifting task 45%. There's some merit to wearing a back brace. But if I told you wearing that back brace every day is gonna reduce your total back strength by 60%, maybe it's not so great anymore. And that same concept with a back pain and a back brace can be viewed the exact same way with our feet and orthotics. If you have changes to your forefoot or midfoot and issues with strength and control in your arch, external support while I go for a long walk or if I'm on my feet at Disney World might be a great idea. However, that long term is probably going to result in my foot structure decaying further, relying 100% on the orthotic external device. And that is absolutely what I see happen more times than not when it comes to feet. If I had to tell you that there are three major controllers with getting bunions, getting other toe-related pathologies, with dealing with chronic plantar fasciitis issues, constantly dealing with arch and other related foot problems, it would be because your tibialis posterior, your flexor hollicis brevis, and your abductor hollicis muscles. Those three, two of which are intrinsic foot muscles, are not doing their jobs properly. And if this is the first time you've ever heard the term tibialis posterior, flexor hollicis brevis, or abductor hollicis, that could be the big problem, is that you've not been trained or told properly how your feet work and what is needed strength-wise to support them internally, not externally. Anytime in physical therapy, I can get you less reliant on external devices, whether that be a brace, back support, medication for pain. I'm trying to limit or lessen as much of that as possible with patients because I want them to be able to stand on their own two feet literally and feel what's going on internally in their own bodies, not be dependent on a certain pair of orthotics, which by the way, do not go well with sandals or other exposed toe footwear. So when we look at our women population that deal with a lot of toe-related problems, forefoot, which is the toes and the base of the toes, they deal with a ton of forefoot problems. And the main reason they deal with that is they wear horrific shoe wear that is very pointy at the toe. I've had conversations with my wife over her footwear before, and she has told me it's only a problem for the first 10 to 15 minutes until my feet go numb. And then it's not a problem at all, the type of footwear I have on. Uh, this concept of crunching your toes and forefoot together to look pretty might be fashionably great, but functionally it is a nightmare. And if that kind of footwear is on your feet more days than it's not, then you're probably going to deal with some severe problems in your feet at some point, whether it be weakness, whether it be uh, deformities of the toes, uh, whether it be nerve-related problems like neuromas where you get tissue built up around nerves in the ball of your feet that cause constant pain, whether it be chronic plantar fasciitis because you're reducing blood flow to certain arteries that feed certain tissues in your heel. All of these are going to get back to proper footwear and how your feet are supposed to be positioned in space. Our feet are anatomically very similar to our hands. They grip and feel the ground just like our hands were would if we were walking on them. Our toes should spread out in all directions to feel as much of the ground as possible in front and then physically grip and hold it while the arch stays intact for support to allow for changes in heel and forefoot position without losing structural integrity of the foot. Um, these concepts are never discussed with medical practitioners 
dealing with feet because it doesn't financially benefit them to get you to activate your big toe better. It benefits them to put you in orthotic and have something externally do it for you. And I hope that this podcast at least gives you some insight into alternative options for your feet. I have been on a foot process myself over the last year. Um, The first step I've done in terms to help my overall foot strength is to go barefoot around the house more. Uh, The more exposure your foot has to the ground naturally, the more it has the capabilities to move and feel. Um, I also work on toe wiggles, where I try to wiggle my toes and grip sand if I'm at the beach with my toes. Um, I'm now also trying to do toe splays, which is a lot harder than you may think it is. Uh, But just trying to, as if you're looking at your hand right now, spread your fingers out to the sides as wide apart from one another as they can, and then bring them back together and spread them out and hold, 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 and then bring them back together. Same concept you can do with your feet, trying to spread those toes out the best you can. Um, another option, which is really terrific, is to get a lacrosse ball and just sitting down, rolling it underneath the arch part of your foot. As we talked before, many people either have extremely weak, flat arches, or they will have a very high, rigid arch. Uh, not as many fall into the perfect category, shockingly. Uh, trying to improve both strength and mobility of your arch will allow better forefoot and rear foot function which will also in turn allow you to feel more stable and in control when you're walking on the ground and will also allow for better biomechanics up the chain into your legs. If your foot can be in a better position on the ground to push off and or contact the ground on initial contact of a step, then the joints above the foot and ankle complex will be able to react to that positioning and move with the most efficient pattern possible and produce the most force possible without causing damage to anything. What does that equate to? Faster movement with less pain and improved overall efficiency of movement. So you're getting to point A to point B a lot faster without as much difficulty. So wiggle your toes, rub your arches, and try not to wear shoes as much if you can. If you have to wear shoes all the time, Looking at a shoe with a larger toe box where your forefoot is, is also a great start. I hope everybody enjoys the foot talk today. Wiggle your toes, enjoy feeling the ground, and stay healthy everyone. Until next time, Dr. Shane signing off.